Hey, this is Double J, Jeff Jarrett, WWE Hall of Famer, and you're listening to the My One Two Three Cents Podcast. It's my personality to be jittery. It's part of my charm. Wrestling fans, are you ready? It's time for my one, two, three cents of the podcast on the Jittery Monkey Podcasting Network. Give me a hell yeah! Now, here's your host. The man is also a very long, dear, personal friend of mine. The guy have a name? Yes, he has a name. Kevin Huntsberger. Woo! Hey friends, welcome to episode 401 of the My One Two Three Cents podcast. I am your co-host, Kevin Huntsberger, and joining me this week to talk all things Nature Boy Ric Flair is Chad Smart. Chad, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thank you. Hopefully we're not going to talk all things Ric Flair, given Flair's history, but... <laughs> Uh, I don't Good think point. we need to go into certain, certain areas, but yes, we will be mostly focusing on the career of the nature boy. Well, and you know, obviously we're recording this podcast uh, just days before what is being billed as Ric Flair's last match. A whole night, a whole weekend really um, has been built around this. There's a lot of fanfare going on around it, honestly. You know, Nashville is just a few hours away from here in southern Illinois. I wish like crazy that I was going to be there, not just for Ric Flair's last match, but for all the uh, pageantry that's that's going on around it and, and leading up to it. But it just it did not work out to, to happen that way. And, and I'm going to assume you feel the same way, but what are your thoughts? And, and we're going to kind of backtrack and we'll, we'll jump back and forth here, but what are your uh, initial thoughts on, you know, if you were available to be there, what is this something you would want to attend? Yeah, I, you know, when they announced it first, I didn't realize it was SummerSlam weekend. Mm-hmm. And then I also didn't realize that I had already had plans made for me for this weekend. I'm going to be out of town myself. And, you know, this I probably would have tried to talk you into going. Because like you said, it's, you know, a three-hour drive from southern Illinois, so flown in and headed down and taken over music city and um i you know i haven't really kept up with everything that's going on with the the starcast stuff and (laughs) everything for the flair portion of the of the weekend but yeah i think there's enough excuse me there's enough stuff going on that it would have made for a fun weekend Oh, yeah, I agree. Let me ask you this, too, since you brought it up, and and it's a a very valid point and something to talk about. You know, this is all going down SummerSlam weekend, and we've seen in the past with WrestleMania, obviously, we've been to nine of them, and that's part of the reason why I wanted you to be a part of this discussion is our history with seeing Ric Flair wrestle in his quote-unquote last match. We'll get to that in a few minutes, but, you know, we've seen, you know, smaller companies uh, kind of latch on to that WrestleMania weekend and, and hold shows wherever WrestleMania is. Uh, Con, or, uh, WrestleCon has grown in, in great size. Uh, we haven't really seen a whole lot of that with other WWE events. SummerSlam, some would argue, is the second biggest show of the year for WWE. 
the fact that they're doing this in Nashville, you know, the night after SummerSlam, but they're also holding all these other events. Now WWE is throwing out an Undertaker one-man show. I view it somewhat as competition, but I also feel like there is some behind-the-scenes things going on that we probably don't know about and may never know about. Agreements, if you will, between Conrad Thompson, who is the mastermind behind all of this, and WWE. What are your thoughts on that? Mm, that's interesting. I don't, you know, I, I wonder what type of connections Conrad has to WWE. Obviously, I guess, you know, with his podcast, um, with the Bruce Pritchard pod- podcast, there, you know, is, I guess you could speculate that he does have an inroad into WWE higher-ups, although, you know, with the recent recent change-ups and, and WWE's hierarchy, uh, it'll be interesting to see going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and the fact that, yes, they're holding the Flares last match the day after, and SummerSlam is on a Saturday instead of the traditional Sunday, um, which is also an, an interesting aspect, and I don't know if that's something WWE is looking to do more of going forward, is moving to a Saturday pay-per-view or premium live events. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I, I think it's the better play, but I know the traditionalists want the Sundays, the Sunday night shows. So, um, yeah, I don't, you know, I, I think it's curious to see, because, I, I mean, other than um, Jeff Jarrett appearing on the show, is there anyone else associated with WWE right now on any of the, like the roast of Ric Flair or, or anything that you would, you know, anything else going on with Starcast? No one has been advertised, but, uh, I, I think, you know, I just, I can't imagine one that Charlotte won't be involved somehow in Flair's last match, even if it's her sitting ringside. Um, uh, you know, I just I, I would have a hard time believing that the uh, you know the roast of Ric Flair. I, I don't know, man. I just I feel like because Jeff Jarrett did just get rehired by WWE, and I don't know if he had already committed to this before he went back to WWE. But to me, it 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 signals something in the fact that the you've got all these wrestling companies a part of this one weekend. Um, I, I think it's pretty cool, you know, and, and, and I'm hoping and maybe, and, you know, with the changes going on at WWE, Vince McMahon stepping down, Triple H, as it was announced, as we're recording this on Monday and it'll drop Monday night, but, you know, Triple H is now, uh, head of creative. Will this usher in, you know, we always saw Triple H kind of being that guy that was extending the olive branch, Bruno San Martino. The Ultimate Warrior, you know, kind of coming back into the fold and going into the Hall of Fame. Will this, you know, these new changes usher in a whole new look and vibe coming from WWE? What do you think about that? Uh, I would like to say yes, mainly just because, I, you know, we've kind of discussed it off air a lot before. I, I find WWE to be very bland and almost unwatchable on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. You know, I still watch the premium live events, but Raw is and SmackDown are relegated to, if I'm at home, not doing anything and just need background noise. I, I don't feel there's a reason to watch those shows. So I would like to see some type of change in 
uh, more in the booking, necessarily, not necessarily the presentation aspect of it, but, you know, I, I think with Triple H coming in, are we likely to see, you know, as we've seen with AEW reaching out to all these different promotions, you know, when there was the crossover with Impact, they have Triple A, they just did, you know, the, the pre, uh, pay-per-view with New Japan, could WWE kind of start to foster those relationships and maybe bring in some unsigned talent um, for one-offs or, you know, just a few weeks just to get some exposure and keep some things fresh instead of trotting out the same matches week after week. I don't know, you know, and it's, I guess it's going to be also interesting too, given all the layoffs over the last year, like, Mm -hmm. will they start to bring people back in and, you know, uh, get their roster back up to a more um, robust level? Yeah. And, you know, that's going to be the interesting thing I think right now is, there's all this speculation, but really we're going to just kind of like it <laughs> almost like any kind of storyline we see going on in wrestling. I mean, this is real life, obviously, but uh, we're going to just have to wait and see. And, you know, I thought, Hey, Vincent man's not doing anything this weekend. Maybe he shows up at Ric Flair's last match. I think the likelihood of that is, is pretty slim, but uh, you know, as they say, never say never. And they just recently, uh, added Ric Flair's woo back into the open at the beginning of the show. I don't know if that was a a Vince McMahon call or a Nick Khan call or who made that decision. I know that Flair had a lot of uh, uh, disdain and was not very happy when that was taken away. And and I kind of, that's kind of, let's veer into that direction just a little bit. I feel like when Ric Flair came back with the podcast uh, and was doing it with Mark Madden, Every week he was complaining about something, and 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 you know whether it was Becky Lynch, uh, you know using the man moniker, or them taking the woo out, or Triple H not calling him after he and Wendy broke up, he always had some kind of grudge. And I I don't know if that's really Ric Flair, because it was really becoming to the point where I was tired of listening to him whine and complain. So I don't know if that was really Ric Flair, or was that Mark Madden looking for those, uh, you know. Uh, clickbait headlines to come out at, you know after the podcast is over or is Conrad more the voice of reason where he's able to calm Ric Flair down and talk some sense and, and you know don't air your your dirty laundry here but uh, you know there was a period there where you know Flair was was kind of grating on my nerves and you know I've said it before he's my all-time favorite so it was hard to you know listen to him be so negative but it seemingly and I listen every week to the to the uh to the Ric Flair podcast, uh, he seems to be in a more positive light, but maybe that's partly because of all the fanfare he's getting with this last match coming up. Yeah, that's a good point. Is Yeah, I don't know, you know, and knowing the history of Mark Madden and, and my opinions on him as a, you know, when he was an a, uh, announcer for WCW and doing a radio show in Pittsburgh, I, I don't have a high opinion of him because... Mm-hmm it seemed to be more of get myself over at the expense of everybody else. Gotcha. And, and so, yeah, I don't know if he was stroking that fire, but you know, as I said before to you, um, Ric Flair sadly is becoming the, you know, the guy who's tarnishing his own legacy by opening his mouth. Mm-hmm. And, and it's like, you know, come on this, like I could understand if he was still, 
an, an active wrestler, say in his prime, and Becky Lynch came up and started using the man motif. But right. I don't think you know I, and it's weird because when she started calling herself the man, I never associated it with Ric Flair. Right, I agree. The, the man got to beat the man. I, I, you know, I took it as Becky kind of saying, "I'm above all the other women in this promotion," and you know, I was just watching an old. Um, WCW pay-per-view. I think it was Slambury 92, maybe. And you had Nature Boy Buddy Rose on the show. Um, Buddy Landau. Buddy Landau, yes. Uh, Nature Boy Buddy Landau. And then you had Nature Boy Ric Flair on the show as well. So if you can have two Nature Boys, you can have two men, (laughs) um, and maybe even throw half a man in there as well. Um, You might have some success with that. But, (laughs) um, yeah, I just... I, I wish Flair, like, and I don't know, and you know, and I guess I'm going to segue this into kind of another topic of discussion is, you know, because we were at WrestleMania 24, which mm-hmm. was, you know, allegedly Flair's last match for like two years. Right. And then, and it's, is it just, is it Flair needs the adulation and he needs the attention and he doesn't know how to live without being having the focus on him or is it uh is there more to it than that well what do you what what do you mean by more to it than that i think that's what it is i don't think it's about the money anymore Mm. i i I do think and you know listen when i say this i'm not saying this to sound um you know like a big shot or a big deal the, the handful of times that I have wrestled, and I tell you, I am a ball of nerves up until the time I get in the ring. But once that bell rings and you get in there and you start doing it, and, and you know, you could compare it, I guess, to, uh, you know, other performance, you know, getting on the stage and, and, and acting or, or doing something like that. But there is some kind of, you know, they've talked about this buzz or this high that you get from it that you can't, you know, you, you can't manufacture it. it. It is something, and again, I've done it, you know, maybe a dozen times where I've been in that situation, but I tell you, it is something that I love that feeling and, and experiencing that. And, you know, when you've got a guy that's done it for 30, 40 years, when, when Flair was in his prime, you know, I, I think that some people have a harder time then letting go. It's like the guys you see coming back to the frat house 20 years after they've graduated from college and still hanging out at the keggers and stuff. You know what I mean? It, it, it's kind of what it feels like. And, and I did a podcast a few weeks ago, maybe a couple months ago now on, on cowboy Bob Orton. And, you know, he came to a stride show very recently and wrestled. And he's, I think a year younger than Ric Flair. And, you know, people were, were really kind of, there were some people that were fine with it, but there were other people that were, uh, you know, busting on him on, on, TikTok on the video that I had showed of him. And, you know, I don't think Bob Orton is in a situation where he financially needs to come wrestle, especially at an indie show in Southern Illinois. You know, he's not making boatloads of money doing that. Um, I think that some guys, if they feel like they can still get in there and fans came out to see Bob, you know, but Bill Dundee was supposed to be there as well, but couldn't make it. He was sick. We had people coming up and asking, where was Bill Dundee? So, there's still that appeal, and you know, Ric Flair, of course, being one of the greatest of all time, is going to draw more fans and draw more numbers and draw more money, obviously. So, I just feel like they, some of them, 
you know, they get it in them and they, and they can't stop. And, you know, they come yeah, and do I, these shows. Right. And I, and that's where, you know, one to touch on your point. Yes. The other thing that I was kind of alluding to is, is, is it a money factor for flair, mm-hmm. you know, where he needs the money, um, just based on his lifestyle and he right. has to keep going or is it, uh, you know, is it the adulation? And I think it, I think I'm trying to think of uh, either the quote or who said it, but you know, something along the lines of fame is the worst drug of all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where, when you have that, um, you know, when you, when you are as popular as a Ric Flair is, and then to have that all taken away, it's, um, you know, it, 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 it's, it's shocking, you know, and I mean, put it into like, you know, look at, at the music world. You still see these bands that haven't had a hit in 20, 30 years out there playing, um, you know, <laughs> Quiet Riot just played a local fair here um, last week. There are no original members of Quiet Riot in the band. I Three of the four yeah. original members are dead. Yeah, that's but what that I band thought. is still going. Yeah. What's that? I had thought that I knew at least the lead singer I thought had died a few years ago. So, yeah. 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 Lead singer, Kevin DeBro, uh, Frankie Benali, the drummer died in the last year, I believe. And then Randy Rhodes, the original guitar player died, you know, back in 1982. But yeah. so the only connection that the band has to the original that band is the, I believe the guitar player that replaced Randy Rhodes after Randy left to go join Ozzy Osbourne's band. But anyway, I'm saying like this band is still out there touring because there is there are fans that hey even though it's not the original guys sure i want to see this band Mm -hmm. and um and so yeah you know i think and that's why i think even if they hadn't billed this as rick flair's last match if you just said hey rick flair's wrestling they probably would have sold just as many tickets because people want to see rick flair you know they have that and and yes rick flair you know it, it might be different if Ric Flair wasn't, um, wasn't, I don't want to say wasn't Ric Flair, but if he, if Ric Flair had the talent of, um, and not to disparage anyone, but, uh, um, I'm trying to think of a, a name that actually would make sense here. Uh, but you know, somebody who was lower on the card, um, who didn't have, you know, they said Ric Flair could wrestle a broomstick to a five-star match. Mm-hmm. But if you take somebody who, you know, didn't have that skill level who's out there, people might still appreciate the uh, value, the name value of seeing someone, but it's not going to have to carry the same weight as being Ric Flair. Um, right. You know, I think same way, like, you know, if Bret Hart comes back and does a match, people are going to want to see it because it's Bret Hart, you know, whereas... You know, I'm not to downplay Cowboy Bob Orton, right. but if they said, "Hey, Cowboy Bob Orton's last match," is anybody going to be like, "Oh, awesome, let me get good that," or be like, "Okay, let me check my schedule and see, you know, what I'm doing." It's you just have that different hierarchy of, of popularity, I guess. Yeah. And, no, and that, so, that makes sense. Yeah. So I think, um, but I do think that, you know, I think going back to my original uh, tangent, the I think Ric Flair, and this is where I guess if I, if I was a therapist, Ric Flair needs to learn how to move on with his life in a gratifying way and find something else that gives him the same joy or the same um, fulfillment as the pop. Mm-hmm. 
So do you think, okay, so, you know, because you said if, if you were in town or, you know, if you could go, you would go. Yeah. Are, are you against Ric Flair wrestling again? And if so, why? I, I'm hey, like, it, at the end of the day, it has no effect on me mm-hmm. in my life. So I don't care if, you know, if he wants to go out there and, and I hope, I mean, my only hope is that the doctors he have consulted have been credible doctors and mm-hmm. not, you know, as the meme says, Dr. J, Dr. Dre and Dr. Pepper. Yeah. And that he is in good enough physical health to do whatever he's going to do in the match. You know, the match is a tag team match. I would expect Andrade and um, who is Jeff Jarrett's partner? Jay Lethal. I would expect Andrade and Lethal to do the majority of the work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think that's all you need. Excuse me again. All you need is Flair to come in a little bit at the beginning, tag out to Andrade, you know, go through the heat of the match, ref bump, Flair comes in, low blow, figure four, match is over. Yeah. Flair doesn't need to do more than that. And I think people will be satisfied. So, uh, and I think, you know, overall the card itself is an interesting card and has, it should be a good show. Um, but I don't know, again, don't, without knowing how the show is arranged with all the different promotions um, that are being involved and, you know, what type of politicking comes into play and, and whatnot. So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, I will be interested to see how the, you know, the buildup has obviously been good, but then the fallout afterward or, you know, what will happen day of. And, and Conrad has acknowledged that on the podcast that he hosts as well, that, you know, this week is going to be stressful and, and dealing with, uh, you know, all these personalities and talents and whatnot. And, and, you know, everybody, you know, once they figure out who's going over and who's winning and who's not, and it'll it'll be a whole different ball game. Um, I think that it's interesting you know, the build-up to the flare, because we didn't get the, the actual match announcement until uh, about a week ago, um, as we're recording this, so about two weeks before the actual match, we finally got the announcement. The, the confusing part to me was this is all supposedly happened after the press conference, which had happened weeks prior, so they kind of held on to that for a bit. Um, and then listening, because I do listen to all of Conrad's po- podcasts, so, you know, as he and Jeff Jarrett were talking it out on the podcast a week ago, it all kind of started making sense to me. And obviously, it's hard to build to a big event when you don't have a quote-unquote TV network. You know, it's not AEW, you know, we're not watching that twice a week. It's not WWE, where, you know, they have SmackDown and Raw. Um, so it's I, I, I imagine it was more difficult in that end, and... I feel like, and I've talked to Tyler about this, and I think you and I have talked about this as well, you know, I feel like I know all about this because I do listen to all the podcasts, but I wonder, outside of that little group that, it, or I say little group, outside of the group that is part of either ad-free shows or just listens to the, I, you know, I don't subscribe to ad-free shows, but I do listen to the other podcasts, like I said, how many wrestling fans are aware of this going on like you said earlier you know you don't listen to the podcast and and you didn't really know a whole lot about you obviously see what you see on social media and whatnot but it's not like it's right there at your fingertips so to speak if that makes sense yeah it's you had you'd have to go looking for you know it's kind of i'll compare it back to i guess in the uh 
or you know early 2000s when you're DVD collecting mm-hmm. for, for wrestling. You know when I when I was a huge Chikara fan. Yeah, I knew everything that was going on with Chikara, with Chikara because I watched the shows. I stayed up to date on their um, um, on their video podcasts on their um, or event centers and and Twitter and whatnot. And you know, and I'd talk to you, and you'd be like, "I don't know what that is," you know, because yeah. it's not in your purview. And that, you know, I think that's um, something else to say about social media is depending on how your, you know, your follows and everything is set up. Some people probably might think this is like the biggest thing and it's going to be bigger than than SummerSlam, and other people have no idea about it because right. it's just who's talking about it the most and whatnot. And so, yeah, you know, I've seen. Like whenever there's been a major announcement, I'll see that, but then it's quickly, you know, displaced by whatever AEW or WWE has going on, and and then there's no follow up on it in in my social media awareness. Uh-huh. So so I am curious. You know, I think again, I think because of the name Ric Flair, and I mean it's I, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's being held at the Nashville Municipal Arena, correct? That's right. right which is uh you know that's where i saw my first wcw pay-per-view starcade 96 yes and where uh, piper and flair wrestled or piper and hogan piper hogan yeah we have piper and hogan in the uh non-title match that nobody knew was knew was nobody knew it wasn't a title match yes um it's where our, our eric bischoff fan club sign got uh, confiscated so you know the nashville municipal auditorium it's not a small you know when TNA was running Nashville in their early days, they were running the fairground complex, which I believe has been demolished since then. So, no, they, they were actually supposed to hold the, the Flair's last match was originally supposed to be at the fairgrounds. Oh, wasn't? Yeah, so they I were calling it the Flair grounds, uh, but uh-huh. they sold you know they sold out a t- they sold out almost immediately or pretty yeah. quickly, and so they moved it to the Nashville Municipal Auditorium. Okay. Okay, well, that makes sense, because I was going to say, you know, that's a good size, you know, probably a good 8,000 seats for for wrestling, mm-hmm. and um, so, you know, I, I'm curious to see, you know, the fan fans that are there, you know, is it going to be mostly an older generation of fan, or will there be, you know, how many younger fans will be there, mm-hmm. and you know, and like I said, the card itself has a lot of, of um, wrestlers that are active now. It's not just a legends show, right? So, so I think that will help too, especially the variety of uh, of the of the wrestlers and the, crossing all the different promotions, with the exception of WWE, which you know I would have liked to have seen. You know, maybe somebody in thrown on there from WWE side just so this would be like the old Pillman memorial shows where you had all promotions represented it but um, yeah I don't know I think uh, I, I think it's going to be an interesting show and I can't remember what my original <laughs> thought on this thing was uh, I think I've been hitting that by too, by too many chair shots but um, so yes what is your next topic or question <laughs> So, uh, you know, I, I do find it interesting. You know, obviously I, I feel like they're going the tag team route for the obvious reason of, of you know, Ric Flair's age and, and, and protecting him. Um, yeah. I find it interesting it's being kind of set up that, you know, Flair and, and Andrade are 
are the good guys in this because of the attack that happened and, and Jay Lethal in the parking lot and, and Jeff Jarrett and Karen Jarrett in the high heel and, and you know, the blood and all that. Um, which, you know, you got to expect Flair coming out, no matter how they tried to build this, he was going to get cheered regardless, especially with the premise of it being his last match. Yeah, I mean, yes, and having Andrade in there is an interesting face dynamic, mm-hmm. um, you know, because he was heel most of the time in WWE. He's, I guess, a heel in AEW. Um, but then you have two heels in in Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. And even though Jarrett's, you know, it's Jarrett's hometown, I think Jarrett is better served as a heel than a, especially, especially coming uh, after, if anybody remembers the first two years of TNA, when he tried to put himself over so much. Um, But yeah, I mean, no one's going to flare. No one's going to flare, flare. Yeah. No one's going to boo flare, um, especially in his last match. You know, it could be like, um, trying to think of who the most heelish person is uh, in wrestling but if you call it their last match no one's going to boo them because mm-hmm. they're coming out to pay their respects and to and whatnot so uh yeah i think it's an interest you know the matchup makes sense just given you know andrade's relationship to flair jay lethal and flair's history and then jeff jarrett being in nashville but yeah. uh, I, I think the lethal jarrett combination is um is interesting and not one that i would have predicted um and i you know i i mean was, was paul roma really not available to take that <laughs> ex horseman spot in the match but <laughs> well you know it, you brought up a point a little bit ago when you're talking about quiet riot and um and just kind of that nostalgia of of getting to see that last opportunity for this band or to to watch this match and i feel like in th- and this is kind of where and again i have no problem with flair doing this I, I did a youtube video some time ago about you know my thoughts on it so i'm not going to go through all of that again but you know with steve austin you know this past year at wrestlemania um you know he he wrestled kevin owens it, it was originally not uh you know supposed to be a match or at least that's how it was you know it was supposed to be a a confrontation or whatever you know the kevin owens show or however they were booking it or billing it um and we ended up getting that match and and you and i talked you know afterward about the nostalgia the the you know we didn't really get that closure in 2003 when he wrestled when austin wrestled the rock for what was really you know going to be his last match so being able to uh get that closure you know it's kind of like conrad's doing this or he has said he's doing this with jim crockett promotions you know under that banner because jim crockett promotions just kind of went away and didn't get that that last shot of of glory so to speak and and he was inspired after wwe did one night stand with ecw uh, back in 2005 so that's kind of where he's coming from with that but for me rick flair had the ultimate send-off in 2008 and i know that he wasn't necessarily ready to retire maybe he didn't want to retire um but you know chad we were in orlando i think we probably had our tickets before we even knew that that match was going to happen but you know obviously the speculation but we were at the hall of fame we were at wrestlemania 
we went then that next night at Monday Night Raw, which, which was one of the greatest moments ever with all of the superstars from Ric Flair's past coming and, and paying tribute to him. It, you couldn't have had a, a more perfect send-off, I don't think, for a superstar. Um, but obviously, you know, like you said, two years later, he's back in the ring wrestling. And so I think I was more disappointed in that than I am the fact that at age 73 or 74 that he's getting back in the ring now, today in 2022. I can see that. Uh, you know, and it, I mean, that's logical um, opinion. Because, yes, Flair did have this ultimate send-off. Um, so, yeah, it's not like Austin where he just kind of faded off into the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... You know, but I think, you know, like you said, at that time, Flair wasn't, I don't think he was ready to retire. Yeah. I mean, and I don't even know if he's ready to retire now. Right. But it was more, I think, a Vince McMahon decision to phase Flair out and, you know, to give Flair that that moment. And then, um, yeah, I, you know, I, I guess I... Like I said earlier, because I have no skin in this game, it's no, you know, it it doesn't affect my life in any manner. As long as Flair wants to go out on his terms, then let him do that. Again, I'm just more uh, concerned for his health in the match. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not that I expect a a Broadway-type match. Anyway, at least I hope not. Yeah. But, um yeah, just, you know, but again, it's going to be what does Flair do after this? Where does he go? What, you know, is it going to be the, uh, you know, like Kiss is on their farewell tour and it's been going on now for about three years yeah. and no end in sight. So does Flair decide to do the farewell tour for the next five years? I don't know. It's I, I just hope, you know, kind of like I said earlier, Whatever happens after the match, Flair finds his peace in life and can just move on and be Ric Flair, private citizen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you? I mean, and I, I thought you had sent it to me, but maybe not. Maybe I just saw it on Twitter and I, I, I didn't send it out. But there was a, a the kayfabe news uh, website had something about Ric Flair set to launch Thirty City um, farewell tour or something along those lines. So I thought maybe you were pulling pulling that from from that but um you know do you think going because there had been speculation for a long time that he was going to go to AEW especially after Andrade signed and then Andrade uh I believe correct me if I'm wrong but Andrade was being managed by Chavo Guerrero and then he fired him on TV and this was right around the time that that Flair was uh released from WWE so I thought well this is setting up for Flair to come in do you see Flair going to AEW? I know that, you know, uh, I guess over the weekend it was announced that Tully Blanchard has been released by AEW, but, you know, Arn Anderson is obviously still there. Could we have a, a mini horseman reunion in AEW down the road, do you think? I mean, I wouldn't put it past Tony Khan to bring in Flair, but I think also when Flair was supposed to come in, that's when the dark side of the ring episode. Oh, aired that's and, right. Yeah. And then Flair became, you know, all these stories that had been really publicly known for 30 years. Now all of a sudden are, you know, people are offended mm-hmm. because well, society. And, and so that's, I think took the, 
you know, Flair became untouchable at that point. Yeah. Now, has enough time passed that people wouldn't care? I, I don't know. You know, I think with the success of uh, the Flair's last match, you know, in, in terms of ticket sales, and we'll see how the pay per view does. I, I think the our generation and older and maybe the one generation below wouldn't have a problem with flair coming in i don't know about the younger generation though would they still have excuse me would they still have issues with flair coming in Mm -hmm. and you know and and being kind of um treated as you know wrestling royalty or, or you know um you know not not treated like a pariah basically no that that that's uh that that makes sense so you know as as we look at you know flair's obviously we're not going to run down his his career and, and and his work in the ring um but you know just those highlights that we talked about earlier with being there for his last match did you ever see any of his stuff in person when he was with tna uh, no, I did not. Yeah, I wasn't sure if... if cause... No, I don't think so, anyway. I don't remember any of it, if I did. So. Oh, yeah, because you were already in L.A. by by the time... That, by that time, yeah. Yeah, because you, you used to go to the to the Nashville shows, but yeah, obviously yeah. Flair was still yeah, in WWE but, uh, at that point. Okay. Bound, Bound for Glory 2013, but I don't believe Flair was on, yeah. on that, uh, that show. So, you know, we, we've... Obviously, you know, there are a handful, like we said, of, of wrestlers who could announce that comeback and, and and draw a big crowd. I think Steve Austin was one of those, even though he wasn't really technically announced to be wrestling. Ric Flair has been another one. You know, uh, right off the top of my head, Hulk Hogan is the other, and I, I don't see that ever happening just because of, you know, the the condition that he's in with physically with his back and and all the surgeries that he's had. But is there anyone from our childhood, you know, we grew up in the 80s, the golden era of WWF and, and you know, Jim Crockett promotions. And before there was a quote-unquote Monday Night War, but we were watching on Saturday nights and Sunday mornings in syndication and on Mondays on TNT, you know, Tuesday Night Titans and primetime wrestling and all this. Is there anyone from that era that you would like to see come back? Um, and have one more match or you know is it you know do these guys reach uh and i don't want to use the word expiration date but you know is there a point in time where you think they've hung it up and it needs to stay hung up like do we want to see steve austin come back in 10 years and wrestle another match probably not no yeah i you know i was fine with uh, steve austin's final match per se this year just to give him that closure mm-hmm. but for me Steve Austin had his expiration date like 10 years ago yeah because the come in you know uh flip the bird kick to the gut stunner routine it, it so played out like at least I'm hoping Flair can still do a match of some sort instead of just hitting the, the high spots mm-hmm. or you know, to go along with my comparison earlier, instead of having a band just come out and play the hits, they can do the deep cuts mm-hmm. on the app. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm trying to think of who, you know, I, you know, I think it would be nice to have seen Bret Hart get a match that wasn't the 
match against Vince McMahon at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a better a better laid out match, or at least a shorter match, would have been would have been nice. But yeah, I can't think of anyone else that really jumps out at me as someone who needs a a farewell. You know, who would who could ret- who would be someone retiring at kind of at the height of their game instead of just right pats you know okay and this will kind of i think we'll kind of wind down with this let me ask you this so you know because of the pageantry with rick flair's last match in 2008 then two years later Shawn michaels last match happened at wrestlemania uh 26 we were there for that as well We've seen both of those guys come back, and, and you know both of them had these great send-offs uh, at WrestleMania. Uh, they they did the thing on Monday Night Raw the next night, you know, feel good moments. But then Shawn Michaels comes back, and and I think it was 2018, and teamed with Triple H at one of the Saudi shows against the Undertaker and, and Kane. Uh, obviously, Flair did his TNA thing, and now he's he's doing it one more time. Uh, you know, Undertaker got this great send-off, uh, you know, at this year's WrestleMania with the uh, Hall of Fame ceremony. Do you think that, you know, we hear wrestlers retire and retirement really isn't retirement, just like we expect, you know, shenanigans at any wrestling wedding. Uh, do you think that these big fanfare farewells become less important when the wrestler decides to come back five, ten years down the road, you know, with Edge, for example, I mean, he ended unceremoniously, but has come back and is, you know, I, I think he looks just as good, or if not better, today than he did, you know, 11, 12 years ago when he when he had to retire, and, and he's our age, you know what I mean? So it's like this guy's pushing fifty, and he's he's still able to get in there and do it. But do these farewells? You know, is it the boy who cries wolf? Do fans get jaded and, and cynical about it? Or, you know, because I, I think that we both got emotionally invested in Flair's last match at WrestleMania 24. You know, we were, you know, we believed, or at least I believed, that that was going to be it. Well, I think it depends on, on the person. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, how many times has Jake Roberts retired or Terry Funk? Mm-hmm. And... You know, those situations, yeah, I think do get less and less. Whereas with, you know, Flair and and Shawn Michaels, like, I don't know why Shawn finally came out of retirement because it seemed like he was going to be the one that been like, nope, I'm, I'm yeah. good, we're done. And, you know, again, was it a money issue that the money was just too good to turn down? Was it loyalty to Triple H? I don't know. But, you know, he has not wrestled since then. And, and maybe he went back and watched that match and said, okay, let's, you know, not ruin my legacy any further. But then, you know, guys like Edge, where it's like, or Brian Danielson, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or even possibly Paige, um, you know, who knows, where they're put out by injuries that then, by not wrestling, actually give them the time to either heal or um, medical advancements come through and say like, oh, you know, this thing that we couldn't fix earlier, now we can. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a different. I think that's a different aspect to to a retirement, yeah. as opposed to someone just saying like, okay, I'm done. I'm you know, um, I'm trying to think of um, 
I think Leo Rush has in the last year like retired three times mm-hmm. and then come back for like two months and then you know things like that you just get to be to the point of yeah you don't pay attention to, yeah. to what they say anymore but you know in other cases it, I, yeah I think as long as you have the right intention and don't come back you know within six months to a year I think the fans especially if you're a top tier talent the fans aren't are going to be more forgiving because they want to see you in their ring yeah i and i agree with that and you know the other one that comes to mind is is ricky steamboat you know he was injured in in 94 i think it was and there was never like a, a big formal goodbye to him in wcw at least i don't think there was um and then we saw him you know he popped up sporadically on on ring of honor as you know referee or whatever but then I was shocked when he got back in the ring in 2009 and wrestled at, at WrestleMania 25. So um, I definitely feel like, you know, like you said, if, if, if you're a Lilo or Leo Rush, you know, retiring three times in, in a year or less and, and keep coming back versus someone that is, is legitimately, and I feel like that's why they haven't, The Rock hasn't quote-unquote retired, nor John Cena, you know, because... I think fans fully expect those two superstars, at, you know, whether it's at WrestleMania upcoming in Hollywood or, you know, somewhere else down the road, that we're going to see those two guys uh, in the ring again, uh, you know, sooner rather than later, I think. Yeah, and I think, you know, like you said, with Rock and, and Cena, that they don't they don't know what their schedule is going to be. Yeah. So, you know, yes, they're not going to wrestle full time, but if they say, oh, I'm retiring, but then something comes up and they want to come back, you know, I don't think they want to make an official statement. It's just, and and I can't remember if Cena said this or if I'm confusing with someone else who who said, you know, I'm not retiring. My time between matches is just getting longer. Yeah. So that's a great way to look at it. And that's, you know, Tyler's told me that that's, that's my, my philosophy as well. So, um, you know, as we wrap up and, and, and put a bow on this, I, I think we're both in agreement. Flair is going to go over uh, for his last match, uh, unlike at WrestleMania against Shawn Michaels. And, you know, I know this that was the stip at WrestleMania was if he lost, he had to retire. But would there have been anything wrong with Flair winning that match and it being his last match? Or, you know, should it have played out the way it did, do you think? I think it played out the way it did just so that fans knew what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, to have that finality, I think you know I would like to see Flair turn on Andrade, and <laughs> you know Jared and Lethal win, and then Flair is just like, you know, I'm the dirtiest player in the game, and, <laughs> and uh, does some elbow drops on his coat and 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 hip thrusts, and uh, it's very weird, but I don't know. I like I said, I'm hoping for the best in that match. I will, you know, as as we alluded to earlier, I'll be out of town when it happens, so I'll have to watch it. A day or two later, yeah. And, um, I won't spoil anything for you. All right, yeah. And, Unl- unless know, something think, big happens, you know, then yeah. then and I that, might. Spoil actually, it. give me time to see what the general consensus of the show is, and if if it's worth watching or not. So. Right. All right, Chad. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up this uh, week's episode? Uh, I wish I could get rid of this cough that has made me hit my mute button several times during this because. Uh, it's not fun, but uh, wrestling-wise, uh, you know, we still—I ha- still have to get the match with you 
um, at some point in the steel cage, barbed wire. So um, <laughs> maybe we'll work yeah. on that WrestleMania weekend next year. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yes, and uh, yeah, I got to get you and and uh, the Skullbusters and hopefully our friend Travis, who I haven't talked to in months, uh, get out here for WrestleMania Hollywood, and uh, you know, see what happens in March or April of next year. So yeah, it'll be a big weekend for sure. Well, Chad, you know, I, I had alluded to it before as well. Uh, music Mania coming up here on the podcast, and we're going to get back to Movie Mania and doing some wrestling movie reviews uh, in the very near future as well. So stay tuned for that, friends. And as always, thanks for listening, and we will talk again soon. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.